Open your Bibles, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We are studying a lengthy sermon series entitled Higher Ground. The purpose is to move us from being a good church to a great church. We have a good church. From the beginning I told you that we didn't need great alterations, but some modest modifications and change in emphasis, possibly to help us please the Lord more perfectly. The Lord has been very kind to us over a long time, and we just want to find if there's anything else in the Word of God that we could remind ourselves of and stir ourselves up to that would please Him more. We're a good church, and that's not to pat ourselves on the back, because we all know, and let's say it right now, any goodness that this church has is by the grace of Almighty God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, and by the working of the Holy Spirit. Period. And we believe that and we know that, and we're thankful for that. Every bit of conviction we have, we're thankful because we know that God gave it to us. Every bit of understanding, God gave it to us. Every person that's part of this body, God gave you to us. And us to you. And so we give Him all the honor and the glory. But we want to be better. I hope that each of you wants to be better. You'll be held accountable for not wanting to be better and for not being better when such sermons are brought to you by your pastor, by God's leading. So far we've covered eight traits of great churches. They are Christ-centered They emphasize the work of the Holy Spirit. They pray much. They are spiritually minded. They have an eternal or heavenly perspective. They value their relationship with the Lord over religion or truth. And they have personal holiness. And they have personal devotions. And this ninth trait is spiritual warfare needs to be remembered and properly opposed for a church to withstand the wiles of the devil. Satan or the devil is the great enemy of God's children and churches all the way since Eden. And you're in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 where we had verses presented on Wednesday evening about this danger. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. When I mean, I'm speaking to each of you with this question. When you are jealous, do you get pretty intense? Does Song of Solomon chapter 8 describe jealousy as a, a fire that is not quenched? When a person is jealous, they get very intense. Paul was jealous. I'm jealous. I know I'm harsh. I know I'm intense, but show me where anything I said was contrary to the Word of God. I'll get mushy when it's the right time to be mushy. I love affectionate, mushy times, but not when I'm declaring God's Word and I'm jealous. When you get jealous, you get intense. And the apostle was jealous, and I'm jealous with him. And I hope that we're all jealous together. I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear. When you're afraid, how intense do you get, my brothers and sisters? When you're afraid, how intense do you get? Paul was afraid, I'm afraid. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. There is another Jesus. He's widely taught in our county. There's another spirit. Widely felt and followed in our county. And there's another gospel widely taught in our county. 
And notice, it is Satan behind these things because in verse 3, Paul said, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, we can be corrupted by the same devil's subtlety. In verses 13 through 15, it describes the ministers of Satan. They come as angels of light and ministers of righteousness, deceiving their hearers. We are in a warfare. This air around you, and I've done this before, this air around you is not just for this. This air around you is not just for balloons. This air around you holds spirits. And they're in this room. There are good angels and there are evil angels. They have power and intelligence far above ours and they are in the air. Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. Because they're not physical like us to be in a place on a platform or sitting in a pew. They're in the air. And they are around us. And they know you better than you know you. Because they're smarter than you. And they're able to take every input that comes into you and your thoughts, words, and actions about them and and develop quite a dossier on you and know how to tempt you. And they're waiting to tempt you. But if you'll resist with me, and if we'll make this ninth trait an important part of our church, we can resist the devil, and the Bible says he will flee from us. Jesus has already won the complete and the final victory. We just need to stand in the power of His might. He's already done the work. All we need to do is resist a little bit. Lord, help us to do that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, We walk by faith, not by sight. Because you can't see the devil, and because you can't see the devils that work for him, demons is not a Bible word, That doesn't mean they don't exist. The most important things in the universe can't be seen by that little muscle of mucous membrane hanging in your skull. If you can see it, it's junk. Meaning it's all going to go away. It's temporary. 2 Corinthians chapters 4 and 5 teach us this, that the important things of the universe, the permanent things of the universe, like God Himself, are invisible. He is a spirit. He's the invisible God. And so are these spirits that we're talking about, Satan being their head, and the spirits, the evil angels that work for him. I am going to have to say less than I was going to say, but I will trust the Lord that I will say enough to get us aroused to make sure that we remember this battle And that for our church to be great in the future, and your family, and your soul, we need to resist the devil. So let's consider some things, and I will try to hunt and peck through my outline that would take much longer than I'm going to take this morning. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We walk by faith, not by sight. Brother Jim introduced the day's activities this morning in the back room by asking prayer from Ephesians chapter 6 for your pastor that he might make the mystery known. Well, now the devil's one of the mysteries of the Bible because you can't see him with a microscope and you can't find him with a telescope. He's a mystery. The only way you know the devil exists is to believe the Bible. It's a mystery of the gospel. It's part of the gospel is to reveal to us that there is a conflict going on outside of our sight that transcends any conflict that has ever gone on between human armies. That is just child's play. It's always been child's play. It always will be child's play. The only thing that happens is bodies get blown up. I have been humbled since Wednesday night on my way home with Luke 12, 4 and 5. Fear not Jesus speaking. It's in the red writing. Fear not them which kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye should fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast both body and soul into hell. Yea, I say unto you, 
fear him. And that isn't the devil. That's God. That's God. This is serious business we're talking about. Thus, I make fun of human wars in comparison to the spirit war that is going on between Almighty God, His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the devil. But Jesus has won. On the cross of Calvary, He triumphed over them with an open show of victory by defeating death, rising from the dead, tearing the bars away. And He mocks death, and He mocks the grave now, and so do His followers, like 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But this is a mystery. So we come to church to hear mysteries. Throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament, the word mystery is used to describe things that the world cannot learn. That's only revealed through God's Word. It's not a mystery to us. It's a mystery to them. It's a mystery to our old man or our our natural man or our, our natural senses. But it is no mystery to our spiritual man or our new man because we believe the Bible. And so we have this war going on. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, be sober. I'm trying to do that to help you. Be sober. Be vigilant. We have to be watching all the time. This is a grave matter. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, you have an enemy. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Amen and amen. Amen. We need to be sober about it. It's an important matter. We need to be vigilant because we're at risk at all times. We have an adversary. He's called the devil here. He's called that old serpent. He's called the dragon. He's called Satan. He was once called Lucifer. He's like a roaring lion. Lions are heartless. Lions are cruel. Lions are powerful. They are vicious. And they are ravenous. He is wandering about your life, your house, your family, your church. Seeking whom he may devour. Because he can't devour everyone. Lions do not attack a herd of anything head on. They lurk in the bushes waiting for a foolish one to wander away entranced by that butterfly. And so we have a young wildebeest entranced by a butterfly or the soap bubbles of life wandering over toward the long weeds. And in the long weeds, a little tail just twitching a little bit as his salivary glands begin to secrete is a lion. He can't attack everyone. He doesn't attack those out front that are standing for the Lord Jesus Christ, claiming His name, and whatever they do in word or deed, they do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't like them. He gets away from them. He flees. There goes the lion. Up out of the thicket and runs, because here comes 2,000 pound daddy with three foot horns, ready to stomp the daylights out of the the kitty cat. You know, we can't do it in our own power because we have none. But we can stand, and in the evil day, we can still stand with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ who has won the victory. Let's save our souls, our families, and our church from being devoured by resisting the devil. The point today. He he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Because he can't get strong Christians. Because the Lord's got a hedge about them. The Lord protects them. And they've got the name of the Lord Jesus Christ over them. His blood dripping over their lives. His righteousness being practiced in their lives. And so, uh, I think I'll look for easier game. Haven't you ever watched anything about lions? You know everything I'm saying is true about natural lions. And the, the illustration, the metaphor here is true of the spiritual one as well. You need to be sober and vigilant, brethren. You're at war. You're... The alarm clock is not your enemy that's going to go off tomorrow morning earlier than you wanted it to. Your customers are not your enemy. Your employees are not your enemy. Your boss is not your enemy. You know, getting the flu is not your enemy. There is a real enemy. 
There is a real enemy. And he wants to destroy you. He wants to take you out of this church, out of the fear of the Lord, out of the real love of Christ. What is the real love of Christ? Is the real love of Christ getting fuzzy feelings about hearing the name of Jesus and singing songs about Jesus? Not at all. Nowhere is that ever described in the Bible. The real love of Jesus is keeping His commandments. John 14, 15. John 14, 21. John 14, 23. Keeping His commandments. He wants to take you off of that. If your name is in the book of life, He will destroy you so that you will displease God the rest of your life and and live a miserable life disgracing the God who loved you and the Savior who died for you. You're flesh and blood and foolish. So am I. We underestimate the spirit world's power. We think that power is something that you can see and feel and measure. The air is not just for breathing. It holds created spirits, good and bad, always near. We live in a life and death struggle and a sleepy century costs many lives. Let's not be sleeping. Let's be vigilant for our souls our marriages, our families, our church. He's not omnipresent. The devil can't be everywhere at all times, but his devils can be, and they can report back to him. They're a very organized kingdom. Jesus spoke of them, and they have words in the Bible that describe their organization as principalities, powers, thrones, might, and dominion, and names. They are very organized. He is informed about you. They know about you. They're able to push your buttons. Lord, help us. He already has. And He tells us to resist. He already has. His agenda and desire and intentions are to destroy God's kingdom and His people. He will take advantage of any opening you give Him or that God allows Him. And sometimes God will lift His hedge away to let Satan have at you, but... Jesus will still pray for you lest you be totally destroyed. Can you think of anyone by name? Can you think of David? Can you think of Peter? And can you think of Hezekiah? You know, the Lord left them. And do you know how how long did it take for David who, who says in Psalm 1 that his delight is to meditate in the law of God day and night. Now, he didn't have psalms to meditate in, nor the New Testament. So what was he meditating in day and night? He was meditating in Deuteronomy day and night. And what did Deuteronomy and Numbers tell him? Don't number Israel. But all the Lord had to do was lift off a hedge. And how long did it take? About five minutes. David wants to number Israel. Peter. Lord. I will never deny you. I will go to death before I'll deny you. I am not like the rest of your apostles. How long did it take? A couple hours? A couple hours. That tells you a little bit about the power of the one that we're dealing with. But the Lord Jesus Christ has already destroyed him. The angels themselves, Michael the archangel, when he's in an argument with the devil as it's described in the book of Jude about the burial place of Moses, even Michael the archangel says, the Lord rebuke thee. Because they understand the authority and power and rank given to them by God. But it is under the Lord Jesus Christ because the Bible wants us to know that He is far above all principalities and powers, thrones, might, and dominion. Far above. We never want to forget that and that is part of the victory. He does not like to be around where people are singing, talking, praising, jumping and shouting about Him being defeated by a man. The man, Christ Jesus. Yes, He's God in the flesh. But the Bible says, the man, Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 2.5 He is a created spirit, meaning He's the potter's clay for God's own personal pleasure. Enjoy hearing the words. You're not the only one hearing this sermon. He is the potter's clay for God's own personal pleasure. However, God created him with intelligence and power greater than any or all men but one. He is an evil spirit allowed to introduce evil into the universe for God's own glory. He's always been a puppet. He likely knows you better than you know yourself. 
He was created before Adam. He was created before Genesis 1-1. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Job that the sons of God or the morning stars or the angels sang at the creation of the heaven and the earth. He was a high and mighty angel. i got to go fast through these points because these points aren't very important. He was a high and mighty angel, maybe the highest, similar to Michael, the archangel. He sinned by pride, the Bible tells us that, and was cast down from his official duties in heaven a long time ago. He retained the right to return to heaven where he would accuse believers like Job. And Job 1 describes that. Jesus confronted and defeated many of his projects among men when Jesus was on earth. Jesus paid for our sins. There's nothing to be laid to the charge of God's elect. So now he's confined to the earth because he was cast out when Jesus rose up and ascended into heaven. Heaven's not big enough for Jesus and the devil. When Jesus ascended up to heaven, the devil was cast out in another sense that he couldn't even go back there anymore. And so the song bursts out in Revelation chapter 12 that the accuser of the brethren is now cast down. Satan doesn't accuse you to God. Anybody that still thinks that haven't read their Bible, nor do they value the death of Jesus Christ. Satan doesn't accuse you to God. Satan accuses you to you. And, and, and let's get it out there. It's pretty effective sometimes, isn't it? So stop thinking those kind of thoughts. Start thanking. I'll tell you what, just start thanking God for the Lord Jesus Christ and the complete victory of the cross and His shed blood washing away all your sins so that nothing can be laid to your charge and your name is in the book of life and you will never go to the lake of fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. Just do a little bit of talking like that instead of thinking about what a loser you are and Satan will flee. If you give... I'll bust this thing. Well... Maybe I'll break first, but brethren, don't think those kind of thoughts. Where do you think they came from? The Holy Spirit? Not a chance. They're fiery darts. Stop thinking those thoughts. Think about Him. Think on Him. Meditate on Him. Didn't we have this last Lord's Day from personal devotions? Muse. Commune. Ponder. Him and what He's done for you. He's, he was bound 2,000 years ago from deceiving all the nations like He did before so the Gospel could go forth into all the world. But the Bible tells us He will be released for a short period of time before the Lord Jesus Christ returns and then He will be cast into the lake of fire for eternal torment because that place was made for Him. Let's consider quickly some diabolical deeds that He did against our ancestors in the faith. He quickly corrupted our parents in Eden. They're not necessarily our ancestors in the faith. He damned the entire human race to three different kinds of death by getting our first parents to violate God's one commandment. And how long did that one take? If we believe Genesis chapter 3 to be the only words that were spoken, it took less than two minutes. He further ruined this family, causing Cain to kill his brother. Think of where did violence and mayhem come from? His name is Abad and Apollyon in the book of Revelation, both of which mean in Hebrew and in Greek, destroyer. The first family. The first family. One brother kills the other. Why does he kill him? Because the other brother that was killed, Abel's deeds were righteous. Can you believe it? There was a good brother. There was a good son in that family. And he gets killed by his brother. Because he was good. Where does that kind of hatred and violence come from? The Bible tells us plainly. John 8, 44. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 12. It came from the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. He killed the entire human race, didn't he? Three different ways. He took David and provoked him to number Israel. Unbelievable what happened. God had a problem with Israel. He did not have a problem with David, but he used it for his own glory by using David and humbling David by the event. But he killed 70,000 men, but David was the one that numbered Israel. Look at the way he overthrew Job's life, Job's wife, Job's friends. None of them could help him except Elihu and then the Lord himself. 
Look what happened to his assets. Look what happened to his children. Look what happened to his houses, his flocks, his herds, his wealth, his health, everything. How did it happen? Bam! All the Lord had to do was let Satan go for one second. Armies march. Armies are there. Thieves are there. Hurricanes are there. Bang! 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 And you watch the Weather Channel. You need to open the Bible and find out how to resist the devil. Not put up storm shutters. The devil's already on the inside. What are you keeping out? A little bit of rain? You know your pastor by now, I hope. If you don't, I'm in deep trouble forever. Think with me. Think with me. You know the whole world around us gets nervous about a hurricane off the coast of Mexico? We might get two inches of rain in the upstate. We might get 12 inches of rain. I don't care if we get two feet. The danger's on the inside, not the outside. Why is all the emphasis out there? Because it's a mystery that we're reviewing together right now from the Word of God that they don't know about and they don't care about. Lord, help us care. He and his angels are involved in manipulating pagan governments. Daniel chapter 10. He resisted Joshua the high priest during the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And it describes it in Zechariah chapter 3. He and his cohorts wrecked havoc in the life of a Gadarene. That poor Gadarene! How about the lunatic son? How about the swine? What'd they do wrong? Why'd they go drown themselves in the sea? Because we're dealing with a very real enemy that wants to devour and to destroy. A woman was bowed 18 years by a spirit of infirmity from Satan. He wanted Jesus and the Lord let him have, he wanted Peter and Jesus let Satan have Peter for a short period of time and Peter fell far and fast. He entered Judas Iscariot and moved him to conspire and betray the Son of God who had lived a perfect life in front of Judas for three and a half years for a measly 30 pieces of silver. And immediately upon committing his evil crime, he repents. He goes and throws the money back. But let me tell you what it's like to deal with the devil. He went out and hung himself in great grief. And his bowels were dashed across the potter's field. Satan took a covetous couple named Ananias and Sapphira, caused them to fudge their giving to the church, and they were both dead in the church cemetery. He went after Brother Paul with a thorn in the flesh. There's a power in the air that affects men. Lord, help us. You can resist the devil and send him packing. Your Bibles are still open to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9 says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith. We believe what God said, and our religion is going to be according to God's Word, and we are not going to move from it. That's what it says here. Whom resist? That is the devil. That is the lion. That is your adversary. You resist him by holding fast to the apostolic religion that God's given us. And we held fast this morning. Wednesday evening. Wednesday evening, and it wasn't coordinated because I'm not smart enough for that. Though I like the way the Lord coordinates things sometimes. I shared with you Southern Baptist Church attendance statistics. And you know we had 95% of our church here. That's just wonderful. This morning, 60% of the average Southern Baptist church, 60% of its members will not show up to its main Sunday morning service. 30% of their members that are on their books are classified as non-resident, which to them means we no longer know how to contact them. They are so long gone... So thoroughly gone, we don't even know how to contact them. You know, anything I say that is outside, there's two, there's two source documents nowadays. There's the Bible, and when I run a rabbit trail, there's a Google search box. So you can go home and type into a Google search box, SBC, non-resident members, and blow your mind. So we made an effort this morning to hold fast to the apostolic doctrine. And the Lord will honor that, and the devil will flee, because there's a lot of other churches that are getting geared up right now for Saturday night's activities. And we're just getting geared up for the second sermon on the same subject. First Peter. But let's jump back a few pages to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Oh, the Bible is simple. If we can just grasp this and remember, it is one of the traits that we need to practice in our church. Practice in your home. 
and practice in your life. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now the devil doesn't get very much attention, does he, in the New Testament? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. How many sermons do you need on devilish activities in pagan governments? That's just too exciting to the flesh. You know what the devil's doing when that kind of preaching is done for more than five or ten minutes? He's cheering. Because as long as I can get them to focus on conflicts of flesh and blood that I am behind, but who cares, as long as they're engaged in that kind of conspiratorial thinking, then they let me into their house. They let me into their bedrooms. They let me inside them. They let me suggest things to them. And they let they allow my fiery darts. Because they're fighting a battle that God never gave them, and I have misled them on it. This is The Lord has saved us Amen. from a great deal. I can remember as a young man being infatuated with preaching about conflicts of Korea and Chinese communists and the Soviet Union and Russia and Europe and World War II and when the next war was going to come and all that stuff. And so you arm yourselves, you're buying guns, you're buying knives, you're cutting yourself under your pillow, you're having nightmares, you can't wait to grow up and get a license because what if the Cubans invade before you have a license? And you know, that isn't the enemy. It's never been the enemy. It would make better Christians if that were to happen in this country. Based on what prosperity has done for 6,000 years, what's the real enemy? It's the spirit that is in the air that you can't see, can't shoot, can't cut, and you don't need a driver's license to oppose him. You need to get down on your knees and pray and trust God and resist the devil and hate every one of his lusts and throw off the world and sing about the Lord Jesus Christ and shake his world when you sing about the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't play games with exorcism in this church. Since we're here at this verse, I want to go back to it. Just, I just want you to look at it. Look at the verse and how simple it is. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There are there's 13 chapters given to pastors. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. There isn't a word in them about casting out devils. Casting out devils as a demonstrable gift was given to the apostles and they fulfilled it. And you can read about it in the book of Acts. There's never another mention of it because once the apostles went away, that gift went away. And and the rest of the Bible does mention the devil, but do you know what it says? The Lord is able to give you grace if you have a thorn in the flesh from him and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Stand in the whole armor of God and pray. And if you don't think your praying is getting through, then add fasting to it because Matthew 17, 21 says, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. And that's where we rest. Can't say any more about it. How do you resist the devil? How do you resist the devil? Don't do what the devil wants you to do. You say you must not have studied very hard this week. If you're going to simplify it that simple, it is the simplicity of the gospel. Amen. Do you know where the complexity of the gospel is? That God, the Lord Jehovah, sending His only begotten Son to die on the cross of Calvary, who was rich became poor, that we who are poor might be made rich. We who had been destroyed in two minutes in the Garden of Eden, our entire race, redeemed by the obedience of one man on our behalf. It was very complex. For us, it's very simple. He paid a great price. The simplicity of it is that Jesus paid it all. And we're thankful for that. How do you resist the devil? Don't do what he wants you to do. He wants you to watch certain television programs. Don't do it. He wants you to listen to worldly music. Don't do it. He wants you to think lustful thoughts about someone of the opposite sex or the same sex. Don't do it. Jesus resisted with three answers of Scripture and the devil left him alone. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was hungry. Turn these stones into bread. Feed yourself. Man shall not live by bread alone. Answer him with the Word of God. He'll run away. He ran away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 6. Nathan presented this to you on a Wednesday evening about two years ago. The slides are on the website. You ought to look at it if you care. But... I know, you'll go home and watch the Weather Channel. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. What a wonderful verse. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, 
as Paul brings this epistle to a conclusion, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. We can be strong in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the power of His might. Not only has He won the victory for us legally, He has regenerated us and given us a vital new man that is renewed in power and strength every day that partakes of the divine nature and can stand against the devil. It's a wonderful drama. It's a wonderful drama. Verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God that she may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He has wiles, tricks of his trade to try to get you to sin, to take you out of fellowship with God, to ruin your life. Instead of a happy, fruit-bearing, joyful, thankful, upbeat, serving Christian, you are a beat-down, you are a beat-down, destroyed, dysfunctional, depressed, fruitless, so-called Christian. The wiles of the devil. Verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. See, it is not a flesh and blood enemy. Who cares if the Chinese have a bigger army than we do right now? but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That is a spiritual warfare. Verse 13, Wherefore, because we have this war, and it's described as wrestling, that is that is the most serious physical activity ever, is wrestling. And we're wrestling. And we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. We're not wrestling with 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. We're not wrestling with City Hall. We're not wrestling with the Illuminati. We're not wrestling with the CFR. We're wrestling with the devil. And he comes right into our souls and right into our minds by throwing fiery darts of doubt at us and bringing along satanic preachers that look like ministers of righteousness. They've got such wonderful pulpit manners. And I just like him. Oh, give me a break. Who cares if you like him? Does he preach God's word? Jesus answered the devil with God's word. Verse 14, or verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. Get it all. Don't just take part of it that you like. Get it all that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. If you can stand against the wiles of the devil and he flee from you, you have accomplished a great deal. Most Christians don't. Stand therefore. Stand. Brethren, let's hear the Word of God speaking to all of us about having a great church. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the tr- with truth. Let's never compromise the truth of God's Word. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, let us understand that our only righteousness is that of Christ, and we better be living righteously in order to claim that righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of keep peace. God is at peace with you. He's not angry at you. And you should give up on thinking negative thoughts about yourself that God's angry with you. Jesus made peace. The devil wants you to think that He's angry at you because the the Lord is angry with the devil. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. That means we believe everything God said, and when those doubts enter our mind, we stop thinking. Do you hear me? There's more like you. I'll look somewhere else. Stop thinking those thoughts. Take up the shield of faith. God said, man shall not live by bread alone. And he flees. That quenches the fiery dart. Aren't you hungry, Lord? Look at you know you've got the power to turn these stones into bread. Couldn't you just watch this television program for a little while? It's not going to hurt you. Take up the shield of faith. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Psalm 101, verse 3. That's what we need to do. That's a real Christian. That is studly Christianity. That is being a soldier of the cross, saying I won't do that because this Bible verse tells me not to do it. And take the helmet of salvation. Know that you're saved. Forever saved. And can't lose your salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Fill yourself with the Word of God. It is against the devil. It is for you. And then here's the activity of a real soldier of the cross. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto. Notice watching. That's a military expression of vigilance watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. 
So this takes us back to number three trait. Number three trait was pray more. If we were all to pray for each other more in the way of asking God to put a hedge about us and to deliver us from the devil, this church will be strengthened from the inside out against that spirit that is in this air. On our knees, we can defeat him. Then we can stand up, put on the whole armor of God, and we did that this morning. Lord, help us to do it more and more. Look at Ephesians 4. Get over your anger. Get over your bitterness. Get over your wrath. Those are from the devil. When you come up with an exception that's righteous, I'll preach on it. You all know where I stand on this subject. If you read the proverb commentaries, and if you're not reading them, then don't come to me with your objections. Be ye angry and sin not. See right there it says you can be angry, but as long as you don't sin. But that's a rare anger. That is very rare anger. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. This is 426 of Ephesians. Neither give place to the devil. Notice what it says in conjunction with anger. Neither give place to the devil. Do you know what happens when we get angry? Reason goes out the back door. The Word of God goes out the back door. It's just an impulsive, violent reaction against something or someone. Out comes, out comes terrible words. Our countenance changes. We get violent. Anger is wrong. And it gives place to the devil. This is one of the ways to resist the devil. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Why would the apostle, why would the Holy Spirit put right there next to anger, give no place to the devil? Because that's how we give him place. When we lose control of ourselves. Oh Lord, help us. Help us. Help us. Second Corinthians 2. This is when the fornicator that we talked about earlier this morning was excluded from the church at Corinth when he was taken back in is 2 Corinthians 2. He was put out, 1 Corinthians 5. He was taken back in, 2 Corinthians 2. Look at verse 6. I'll prove it to you. Follow along. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many. See, it's the many. It's the whole congregation of the church that punished the fornicator, and he was put out of the church. Sufficient. Paul is saying he has suffered enough. Verse 7. So that contrary-wise, opposite of what you did to him when you excluded him, so that contrary-wise, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Lest, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices." What did, they, what did they need to do to protect themselves against Satan's devices? They needed to forgive. They needed to comfort. They needed to love. This is the warfare. Amen. These are Satan's devices. The Illuminati is not Satan's device. It's never been a threat to any Christian. The CFR and all that junk is a diversion. It's a windmill. You might as well get a windmill in your backyard and take up jousting. You're a Don Quixote. But if you want to be a Christian, the real enemy is right here. It's in your heart. And it's the devil throwing those little fiery darts, causing you to hold on to anger, to hold on to bitterness, to hold on to an offense, to hold on to a grudge, not to forgive quickly, immediately. We're supposed to love mercy. Our God delights in mercy. You should be looking for the next person that you can forgive. We're not talking about forgiving sins against God. We're talking about forgiving them against us. Oh, Lord, I've tried to preach this. You know our flesh violently opposes this because it wants to defend what it calls principle, which is nothing but pride. Principle is God's Word. Principle is forgive, love, and do be quick at it. You resist the devil by being strong in the Word of God, 1 John chapter 2. You resist the devil by hearing the gospel well and paying attention in church. Otherwise, the devil comes along and snatches the Word away. 
I hope that you can handle it very quickly. Have a gentle spirit or you are of another spirit like the sons of Zeruiah. If you are not gentle in your personal dealings with other people, then you are like David's nephews. And he said, ye sons of Zeruiah are too hard for me. James and John wanted to burn up a city of the Samaritans. Jesus said, ye know not what spirit ye are of. He named them sons of thunder. You deny the devil place in your life by cutting off hands or plucking out your eyes. You need to flee and mortify any lust that you have. Prayer is powerful, but sometimes even prayer needs fasting added to it, like in the case of the lunatic. The devil said they know Jesus. The devil said they know Paul. And the devils know hypocrites. Your prayers will do no good if you're living in hypocrisy, just like it didn't help seven sons of Sceva who came in the name of Jesus that Paul preached. They were stripped naked by one possessed man very quickly because they were frauds. We can never move away from the hope of the gospel. We can never move to another Jesus. We've got to do battle with him because that other Jesus is from the devil. Here's how we do it. What we need to do as a church, we know, believe, and declare that Jesus Christ's total victory is over the devil and his claims against us. We preach it. We believe it. We sing about it. We talk about it. That the Lord Jesus Christ has won us a complete victory. Those outward words of ours are heard. And if we're living righteously, those outward words of ours carry power. They carry a reminder that we are not people that he wants to mess with. Because we're walking in the fear of the Lord and the Lord will defend us. We just want to get excited about what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. We love thinking about the stronger man. With the emphasis on stronger, we want to minimize We want to minimize any intellectual exercise learning about the devil. Been there, done that, heard that. We want to minimize intellectual exercise learning about him, but rather resist him. Learning about him so that you think he's a big sneeze in the world is giving place to the devil. Because it's distracting you from the real conflict that's in your heart while you hold bitterness against your spouse. Grasp that flesh and blood foes are of little concern compared to this angel of light. We want to grasp that and remember it, that flesh and blood foes are of little concern compared to the angel of light. We want to resist all temptations to all sins. That sounds so basic, but that's how the devil gets a place in our lives is by sinning. Resist any idea of relaxing our Christianity or our Christian stand. Don't relax the fight against sin. The minute you relax, you're a sentry that says, I can close my eyes for just a minute because I'm so tired. And you close your eyes for just a minute, but the piano wire hurts on your neck for the half a second before your head's rolling down the hill. I hope everyone knows what I mean. Oh Lord, we can't relax. Prayer is the activity of Ephesians 6.18. Keep yourself from all sin because He will flee and not touch you. 1 John 5.18 Keep yourself. You've been born of God? Keep yourself. Pray that God will not lift His hedge like He did to Job, David, Hezekiah, and Peter. Pray, Lord, don't lift your hedge from this church. Don't lift your hedge from our families. Don't lift your hedge from our marriages or our own souls. We cannot stand Help us, Lord. Pray for a hedge like the one He put around Job. Satan knew full well that thing was there. I like that reading Job chapter 1. Stop fighting distracting windmills like City Hall or Washington. Those are games. They're child games in comparison to the real battle that's in the, of the spirit world that's after our souls. And Washington can't touch our souls. They can kill our bodies. So what? You missed everything I said about Luke 12, 4 through 5. Rejoice in the great gift of repentance. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. I don't have but a couple, few more minutes. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Lord, help me finish this on a timely basis with enough said that will move these people to remember the conflict and the victory that we have over it. Oh, let's pray for the repentance. Let's be thankful for repentance. Let's bless God for repentance. Why have you repented of things you've done in your life? Why have I repented? A gift was given to us. Amen. And the gift is powerful. Right. Second Timothy chapter 2. 
Verse 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The devil can take a person like you captive whenever he wants to. But there is something that God can give that can deliver you from that. And that is true, godly, biblical, spiritual repentance. And when God gives it, men like Saul of Tarsus fall to the road and say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? It's a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful thing. Let's pray for it. Let's promote it. Let's define it by 2 Corinthians 7, 10-11, which defines it so well. Lord, grant us repentance and those around us and those that have left us that we might see them recovered. Brethren, choose forgiveness and mercy. Love them both. Hate anger and bitterness and grudges from the verses that I've already given you. Hate the things that God hates. Love the things that God loves or you're leaning toward His enemy, the devil. Do not lie to yourself that envy and strife and contention are are from anywhere but the devil. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish, envy, malice, strife, contention, fighting, grudges. That is from the devil. James 3, 14 through 18. That's the relationship I had with my father when I was a late teenager. But I'm thankful for a couple of Baptist ministers that laid that passage before my eyes and told me that I was acting like the devil. I remember that. I'm thankful for that. The change wasn't instantaneous and complete, but there was a change and it eventually got there. By humbling myself before the God of heaven. Repentance is wonderful. James 3 verses 14 through 18 tell us that we ought to be living peaceably with men and sowing the fruits of peace and the fruits of righteousness by living in peace. Keep your marriage peaceful and romantic. If your marriage is not peaceful and romantic, the devil has a place in your house. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It puts it this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Don't say that your marriage bed is your property. It isn't. The Lord knows all about it, and the devil knows all about it. 1 Corinthians 7, 5, after teaching that the wife owes her husband everything that he wants sexually, and the husband owes his wife everything that she wants sexually. In the first four verses, he says in verse 5, defraud ye not one the other. That means disappoint or deny your spouse what they want sexually, except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. It should only last as long as you might be fasting, and it should only, it should only happen when you're both in agreement about it. If your wife doesn't want to fast, then so what? You don't get to fast the way you wanted to. It's an important lesson in the Bible here, assumed to be understood by real Christians. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time. You mutually agree that it's going to be for a short, specific period of time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again. Get back in bed and have sex. Sorry, that's what it means. That's the sense of the words. That, that, Satan tempt you not for your incontinency, your lack of control sexually because you don't have the proper, peaceful, romantic relationship that you should have. These are the things the Bible teaches us. The television is the devil's pulpit. You should say, as they've already said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. The internet is a pulpit for the devil, for diabolical temptation. Guard it carefully and hate it and all that is there. Avoid excessive activity and tiredness. Remember how he tempted Jesus because he was hungry. He waited till he was hungry. Don't get too tired. You leave the devil an open door when you're tired. 
because you're not strong enough in the power of His might to hold up that shield of faith and be banging out Scriptures and thinking, this is not what I want to do. How do interrogators work for other nations? Is it called sleep deprivation? Sleep deprivation. I do believe in working hard. I do preach working hard. But don't work too hard. Relationships with the opposite sex must be guarded very carefully because you will work to ruin two instead of just one. And two families instead of just one. Reject anything that has to do with witchcraft. And if you type in witchcraft into into our website's search box, you will get a long list of, I don't know, a couple hundred items. But let me give you a few. Halloween. Ouija boards. Horoscopes. Zodiac signs. Merlin the Magician, Harry Potter, worldly music, reading about the devil, magic, fortune cookies. Go ahead and eat your fortune cookie as long as you make fun of it. I mean, if, if you think they taste good, you probably need to see a doctor. One of these doctors. But, I, I hate those little things. Watching children pull that little piece of paper out of it and think that it even came from somebody with a room temperature IQ. Hate any, because that's soothsaying, that's trying to prophesy, that's fortune telling. It's called a fortune cookie because it's going to tell you your fortune, your future. There's only one being that knows your future. And he's got it in his hand. I said you could eat it. Did you hear me? But if you're going to eat a fortune cookie, make sure you make fun of it. Fairy tales. Your children reading fairy tales? Demonic video games. Palm readers. Another Jesus. Another spirit. Another gospel. Charismatic or Pentecostal activities or doctrines or practices and other similar introductions to sorcery or the occult. And there's so many of them. We just want to avoid all that kind of stuff. You know, I love collecting swords. I love collecting knights. But most swords and most knights are associated with Merlin the Magician, so I've just blown them off for 30 years now or so. And it's no big sacrifice. I haven't missed a thing. But because so much of medieval knights and the Round Table and Arthur and Lancelot are related to Merlin, out the door. Women give place to the devil by modifying their role in marriage in the home. 1 Timothy chapter 5 speaks about some women that have already gone after Satan. Wow. The greater your love and obedience to Jesus Christ, the less opportunity for the devil. Music has long been a tool for opening up the consciousness to devilish influence. Any one of these charismatic Pentecostal popular guys like Benny Hinn, they rock the place for hours before they come out on stage. They have a prepared audience. You've never seen Africans or other uh, those from other continents or other nations that have outward submission and worship of the devil do it without music. A good rhythm. You know, look at, a, look at the mosh pits of rock concerts. Look at what goes on at rock concerts. Look at the lifestyle of rock musicians, and it doesn't take very much imagination and a whole lot of evidence is in place that you can find on video clips or books about the devil's presence and influence. Music has long been a tool. It's the language of the soul. And if you get into the world's music, you're opening up your soul to the devil. Why not listen to music about the Lord Jesus Christ If all I listened to to was music about the Lord Jesus Christ, it'd be so boring. Then you need to be saved. It's the most pleasant music there is in the world. Are you kidding? I've thought the same thing before. When I was a foolish rebel and a good tool of the devil, forgive everyone that offends you and do it immediately. Do it from your heart and love them instead. And stop your foolish thinking. Most thoughts are worthless and are fertile ground for Satan. Get busy. Stop thinking. Start thinking. You know I don't mean stop thinking altogether, but stop thinking thoughts that are, that are downward spiraling, that are self-critical, that are beating you down. 
Exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Think good thoughts. Jump out of your house. Jump in your car. Go do something for someone else. Just go do something for them to stop thinking about yourself. May the Lord preserve us all to fight a good spiritual warfare and to have His blessing upon us and a hedge around us. Amen.